0: Hey y'all, this is Charlie and welcome back. You are getting ready to join me for part four of our latest series titled You Are in the Great Shepherd's Arms Close to His Heart. And we're going to jump right back in where we left off the last time. So here we go. He divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother-in-law and his goods as well as the women and the people Abraham did not lack for listen he attacked them by night and divided his forces and how to do it so look at that somehow he had the wisdom to know how to use military strategy to overcome these kings who gave him that wisdom The Lord did. The Lord led him. The Lord guided him. The Lord protected him and his servants. The Lord gave him the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he comes back and brings all the people and all the goods back. And then watch this. The king of Sodom goes out to meet him as he's coming. But before the king of Sodom can get to him, it says "Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tithe of all. And tithe in the Hebrew means a tenth. That's the literal translation. Tithe means a tenth. This is the first time we see the tithe in the Bible. And you know what we just saw together? That the king, Melchizedek, who is a pre-incarnate uh, uh, um, appearance of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because Melchizedek means righteousness, and Selim means peace, so he's the king of righteousness and peace, comes out and brings Abram bread and wine. What does bread and wine remind you of? The communion. Abram's just fought this battle. Not only that, he had to travel hundreds of miles to do it. And then he's leading all these people back with him. He's exhausted. He's weary. He's tired. You know, he's had a victory, but it's still exhausting. And before the king of Sodom, who actually represents the devil, could come to him, the Lord comes and gives him bread and wine, gives him the communion to refresh him, to strengthen him to comfort him. And Abram responds by giving him a tithe. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Oh, listen, the king of Sodom, he represents the devil. I want you to picture this guy. He fell in a tar pit. So he's all covered in all this black awful tar. You know, he's probably got all kinds of junk stuck to him now. He stinks. He reeks and he comes and he says, just give me the people. And you can have the goods, my friend. The devil. Now here's here's the thing where I say we don't go after wealth; we go after Jesus, right? And Jesus will make us wealthy. We need to understand the devil cares more about your soul. He cares more about going after people. We see it all around us that he'll let people be wealthy beyond their wildest dreams, and it will it will it will actually be their destruction, right? We see that with celebrities and, and um, top businessmen and 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 things like that. And it's, it's sad because he's okay with people having wealth if he can have the person. So he comes and says, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, but remember God, when we're following the Lord, we get it all, right? We get it all when we follow him. Listen, Abram said to the king of Sodom, you know, what's really funny here is actually... Abram has the right to all of it because he's the one who just won. And the devil says, give me, give me, doesn't even ask, give me, right? Because that's how he is when Abram had the right to all of it. But he says, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God, most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing. From a thread to a sandal strap, and I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Do you hear what he just said? Abram knew that he was rich, but he didn't just know he was rich. He knew who made him rich. He knew that the Lord made him rich and he was not willing to let anyone else try to touch the honor that the Lord was the one who had made him rich. He didn't, he jealously guarded that, right? He's like, I'm not gonna let you say that you made me rich. The Lord has made me rich. My friends, I've got to tell you, if you're listening to this and you live in America, more than likely you are wealthier than over 90% of the world. And who are we giving the credit to for that wealth? If you've got running water and electricity and you eat every day, you are wealthier than 90% of the world. Who are we giving the the credit to let's be like Abram and jealously guard that the Lord is the one who has given us this wealth, that the Lord is our provider, that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the Lord is the one that gives us the strength to go to work. The the Lord is the one that provides the work for us. The Lord is the one that provides the opportunities that puts his favor on us. The one that makes our our wealth spread for us when it needs to, to spread and to stretch and to grow when it needs to grow. He gives us the wisdom of how to handle it. My friends, let's, let's proclaim that. Are we proclaiming that to the people around us? That my God is good and he's my provider. Because my friends, unbelievers, the world can't see what the Lord is doing in your heart, but they can see what's going on around you and they can hear what's coming out of your mouth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give our Lord the credit and you'll never believe it until you start seeing it and saying it. The Lord has made me rich. He made me rich at the cross. The Bible says that you know the grace of our Lord, that though he was rich at the cross, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. You have untold wealth in heaven that you have access to through the Son of God. And once the Lord gave me this vision of barns and barns and barns and barns in heaven just chock full of wealth and supplies and riches. And when I got there, he tells me, this was all yours to use while you were on earth. Because guess what? When we get to heaven, we don't need it. I want to use what he wants to give me so that I can spread the gospel, so I can bless people, so they can see the wealth of my Lord and know that he's alive and know that he is real. Amen. What I don't want is to get to heaven and see those barns full. I want to see every one of them opened up and spent. Amen. Abram knew it. Let's speak like Abram does. The Lord is the one who has made us rich. Amen. So we see that the Lord has provided Abram with wealth, with protection, with victory, with wisdom. And look at this too. There was war all around Abram, but it couldn't touch him. It couldn't touch him. Just as it says in Psalms 91, a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. My friends, I have been proclaiming that over myself and my family and my loved ones and friends throughout this entire pandemic. Because that's what we're literally seeing, right? A thousand falling at your right hand and 10,000, right? but it shall not come near me. If you see it, that means it gets what? It gets really close. The Lord didn't say we won't see disaster. He didn't say we won't see war. He didn't say we won't see pestilences. He didn't say we won't see arrows being shot at us. He said they will not touch us. Hallelujah. They will not touch us. Just as those, all those kings, that world war, couldn't touch Abram. Amen. He got the victory and we see that he also had honor and character because he, at this point, he has, he has learned a little bit more about trusting in his Lord, trusting in his shepherd. Amen. So now we're going to move to Genesis 21. You know, the greatest gift, the greatest gift that the Lord gives to us is salvation. Amen. I think we could all agree on that. That the greatest, the most important gift he gives us is salvation, right? Because that determines our eternity, right? That that determines our forevermore. But after that, I heard this once and I 100% agree. I would say the second greatest gift is health. Because if you don't have health, you can't enjoy any other blessing that you're given on this earth. If you don't have health... You can't be about your father's business. You can't join in the kingdom of God. I know that I spent years sick, stuck, flat on my back in a bed. I couldn't enjoy anything. I couldn't enjoy spending time with my husband. I couldn't enjoy our marriage. I couldn't, I definitely, I lost my, I lost my career. I couldn't enjoy going to work anymore. And there were actually times where I was so grateful that I didn't have children. Because I thought, not only could I not enjoy them, I wouldn't be able to take care of them. And that's not the Father's heart for us. He wants us to have the health in our bodies, to enjoy what His Son died to give us. Amen? That's why it says that by His stripes, we are healed. The stripes that fell on Jesus' body were to bring us healing, not salvation. It does not say by His stripes we are saved. We are saved by His blood. We are healed by the stripes, by the scourging, by the beating that fell on His body. Amen. And what did Jesus spend most of His ministry doing? He went about preaching and healing the sick. Almost every one of the miracles recorded in the Gospels for us is a miracle that has to do with healing. Almost every one of them. Jesus spent a lot of time, a lot of his time and priority on healing for someone who doesn't really think it's that important. Right? Because I've heard people make it sound like it's not really that important. Then why did Jesus spend so much time doing it, my friend? He wants you healed. And we're going to see that. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for health. Right? We can, That's an open-ended blessing when he says, I shall not want. Whatever you need, you can stick it in there. I shall not want for health. I shall not want for youth. I shall not want for strength. Amen. And we're going to look at that now. Abraham didn't lack for that either. In Genesis 21, verse 1, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Whoa. Wow. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. My friends, all the promises... And God's Bible are the things that he has said, that he has spoken, and he will visit us, and he will do them for us. Amen. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac, Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children for I have borne him a son in his old age. My friends, Abraham was a hundred and Sarah was 90. Amen. I would say they had, they had good health. Very, very good health. They had their youth renewed. They had strength poured into their bodies. In fact, it says that very thing in Hebrews eleven eleven. it says that the Lord renewed Sarah's youth. He poured strength into her body. And people, you know, just to take care of this, in case you've, you've had this thought before, I've heard people say, well, it wasn't really that big of a deal because people lived a really long, a really long time back then, but this was after the flood. That's true before the flood, but this was after the flood. And if you look at the genealogy just before Abraham was born, the average age that men had children was in their 30s, which means the average age for women was in their 20s. Sarah was 10 years younger than Abram. Not only that, but even when Sarah was young, when she was young, she couldn't have children. So how could she have children now that she's 90? And not only that, It tells us elsewhere in the scripture that we have now got to the point beyond when Abraham could have children, right? Because in the beginning, it was because Sarah couldn't have them. We know that Abraham could because he sired a son through Hagar because Sarah was the problem, not Abraham. But at this point, even Abraham couldn't have children anymore. So when they were at their weakest, when they were at their neediest, when there was absolutely nothing of themselves, of their own effort, that they could contribute, almighty God showed up and he fulfilled the promise. As as if when they finally let go, right? Because they tried. Remember, they tried to do it their own way and it failed miserable. And there's war and fighting today because of it. But when they finally let go, and it could only be done with the Lord, then the promise came. But what health, think of that, what health and strength and youth they had to become parents at 90 and 100 years old. Do you see yourself that way? You're like, oh my goodness, are you crazy? Don't tell me I'm having kids when I'm 90. But do you see yourself getting healthier and stronger because that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They actually got healthier and stronger and younger as they got older. That's a promise in Deuteronomy that as your days grow, so does your strength. My friend, the world tells us that we have to grow old and we have to grow weak and we have to grow, we have to decay and we should expect as we get older to develop this problem and that problem, you know, and then it's like the, the, the older you are, it's like you, you have to get certain medical checks just because you had a birthday. It's like, you suddenly have to think about this and this and this and this. When God says for his people, as your days grow, so does your strength. Amen. Not only that, what else did they just get? They just got a family. They just got a family. Amen. They got a family. And not only that, there was laughter in their home. There was laughter. Look what Sarah says. She says, God has made me laugh. He's made me laugh. He's given her so much joy it makes her laugh. And she says, and everyone who hears is going to laugh with me. And so they named their son, Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Isaac means laughter. God wants laughter in your home. Do you see laughter in your home? So much joy that there's laughter when is the last time you just melted down on the floor having an all-out fit of laughter your tummy hurting rolling around right say i'm too old for that no you're not bring laughter into the home. right there's a proverb that says that a merry heart is medicine to the bones a merry heart it even implies laughter right long before the the medical community started acknowledging, but they do acknowledge the benefits to laughter. Long before they knew it, the Bible said it, that laughter is actually medicine to your bones, a merry heart. And Abraham and Sarah did not lack for it. They had laughter in their home at 90 and 100. See yourself that way. See that as your days are getting, are are growing, you're growing more in your days, right? Look forward to a brighter future. Look forward to having more laughter in your home. Look forward to being younger and healthier. You know, when I was a teenager, people used to uh, often tell me that, you know, you you need to enjoy your time in high school. It's your, it's your best years. You know, they don't say these are your best years. These are your best years. And the really sad thing is, I know most of them had no clue the circumstances of my life at the time, but I found that very, very discouraging because of it. You know, I, I, I don't need to get into all that, but I found it very discouraging. But here's a great thing. I've also found it not to be true. For me, those were some of the worst years of my life. And I share that because I know there are many others in that same predicament, but we don't have to stay there amen. We don't have to stay there. My days keep getting better and better and better. We have more and more laughter in our home. We're stronger, able to do more. My husband and I both, the Lord is renewing our youth and our strength and our joy. Amen. And I know he has the same heart and the same desire for you. Why? here we go. You're going to hear it again because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want you to say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You shall not want because of who your shepherd is. Amen. Amen. Daddy God, we thank you. We thank you for your word, that you give us such such great demonstration of all that you want to do for us. We thank you that you give us incredible images so that we can know you better and see who you are. And Lord, we just pray right now, we thank you for your anointing that is flowing over each and every one of us. Your anointing that pours over us and into us and flows into our lives, Lord, that touches those around us. We thank you that you are our good shepherd and that in whatever we are facing, you are the answer. You are always the answer and we know that we shall not want. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Until next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.